When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tag Republic podcast, a weekly chat with Carolina Guzik about all things marketing. Some episodes are short tips that you can implement in your business right away, while others are in-depth conversations with industry leaders. Whether you're a new photographer searching for some knowledge or an established professional with years of experience, Carolina offers fresh and innovative advice that can help you transform your photography business. Friends, thank you so much for joining us today. You can always invite your friends by hitting the share button or tagging them on the comments below. I think that today's podcast is going to be really, really interesting. We're going to talk about the business of photography. So invite everybody to hear this chat. So today, again, welcome to the Talk Republic. I have an amazing guest and her name is Anamim Tonkin and she is the photographer behind Help me out. I'm going to say this wrong. That's okay. Megapixie <laughs> Photography. There you go. Megapixie Photography. She's also one of the co-founders of The Family Narrative. And it's going to be a good, a, good, a good chat today. I'm excited about this. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I am excited. I'm super, super happy. Super happy to have you here and to talk about family photography. Lately, we've been talking a lot about family photography. And I think, as Dana says... We need to get the conversation going. We need to start elevating the industry. So I'm happy to connect with people that are doing great in the industry and that is helping us all be better. So welcome. Thanks. I'm really excited to be here. And I would invite anybody who's out in the audience to be sure to ask lots of questions too, whether it's about family photography or about the family narrative, which I'm really excited to talk about. I'm super excited. So what about you tell us a little bit about you and what you do both, you know, in photography and in the family narrative? Sure. So um, like you said, my name is Anami Tonkin. I am based in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I'm a family photographer um, at this point, essentially exclusively. Um, I've been in business for about eight years and I um, co-founded the family narrative now two and a half years ago with PQ, Posey Quarterman, and um, Megan McSweeney, and Kate Thompson. And uh, so that is now going into its third year. We've had two big family um, photography retreats down in New Orleans. We're about to have one in Australia this summer. And then we are just about to make announcements about teachers for um, our 2019 lineup in New Orleans again. So yeah, it's going really well. Sounds like a lot of fun. I, as I said before, when I talked with PQ, that's how we're going to call her from now on because I put her, her name on the podcast. So when I had a, ch- a chat with PQ, we talk about, you know, how great the things that you're doing and all that good stuff. And I'm excited. I'm excited to get the conversation started and, you know, get chatting about the importance on family photography. And as you said in our private conversation, having a sustainable business. I think that is super important. So what are a couple of things that you are seeing that are hurting the business that can be changed? So I think family photography is a little bit different than um, wedding photography. And I feel like those two uh, sort of major arteries of photography and photographers are kind of go hand in hand. Um, and people get into one or the other or both, but I feel like young people who get into, or I shouldn't even say young, but people who are new to the industry who start in wedding photography may start with very little business experience and, um, and make some big mistakes in the beginning with pricing themselves and running a business, but they usually catch up pretty quickly because there are some pretty well-known industry standards. So as soon as they start paying attention and doing a little bit of market research 
and um, feeling what it feels like to do that much work and make not enough money, they they change up their pricing or they get out. It, yes, it's important that we talk about pricing. And again, I had this beautiful conversation with Dana about pricing yourself correctly. But still, we see a lot of people because they start, you know, their photography business perhaps as a hobby. They are, you know, staying at home with their children and they think that it's going to be an easy way to make money. And again, we're not doing brain surgery over here, but there is a little bit more to it. It's not as easy as just grabbing a camera and charging $200 because it sounds like fun. It's a lot of things that go into this business, right? Right. But what I feel like is different with family photographers is that people go into business, just like you said, sort of, maybe they took some time off when their children were born from their other career and they are um, making a little bit of money on the side and it feels good and people are telling them how beautiful their work is and that all kind of feeds their ego a little bit. But unlike with wedding photography, a lot of those people um, don't seem to, maybe they're income needs aren't as great or maybe they are able to do that part-time enough that it is um the the money side doesn't burn them out as quickly but it and and there's not really this industry standard like there is in wedding photography so i feel like one of the big conversations that we were having is we need to at least make it so that there is this cohesive group of people and a group of voices that are coming together and talking about what it is that we offer, what that value is, what a reasonable amount of money is to try to earn doing that. And then also talk about the many ways that you can go about doing that. Because I feel like so many people get into this business and have absolutely no, they're just reinventing the wheel. Everybody's reinventing the same wheel. So to kind of come together and create that network for, um, for new people. I mean, there are networks out there, but I feel like family photography and professional family photography specifically is, uh, is not really given a whole lot of attention in the industry. That, yeah, that's true because I also see, I have tons of, I mean, I am a wedding photographer, also a family photographer and yeah. I have a lot of, but I was first a family photographer before becoming a wedding photographer. So I have a lot of my friends that are wedding photographers and they charge, let's say three, $4,000 for a wedding, right? And then they're like, oh, you know, my family sessions are $300 with the digital files because, you know, whatever. What am I doing on a Tuesday afternoon? And that blows my mind. I'm like, okay, you're charging good money for your wedding, but $300, yes, I, I'm going to say $300 is better than no money, but it's not in the long run. It's not a sustainable business. Like right. the amount of work that you put into your session, it's not going to be value at $300. And what they're doing is, sending that message that family photography is a cheap commodity and that well, the value and, should be low. Yeah. And I would say to those people specifically who are wedding photographers and family photographers, but their family photography is priced totally differently and in a very different price, um, price point and value uh, than their wedding photography. I would tell them, you know, when I first started, I was doing weddings and families and it got to the point where business was busy enough with both that I needed to make a choice. And I went with family photography because I have my own kids and Saturdays were starting to get a little bit cumbersome every single week. And I was getting older and I felt like um, my connection with moms was stronger than my connection with most new brides. So I... I decided to go with family photography and I wouldn't have been able to do that if my pricing model for family work was super low. And, and it's not just pricing either. I mean, it really is establishing a value there because people do once, once they have that product in their hands, they value it implicitly and, and explicitly. So I feel like um, the fact that we are devaluing it by making it cheap is crazy. So pretty much what we're doing as an industry, I mean, I mean, not, I mean, I said we, so we can all put us into a box is since we're not giving it the importance that it has, we're just, our clients are seeing this as a, like an afterthought, like, oh yeah, family session. Yeah. You know, I'm going to spend only $200 because that's what I think it is. We are not mm -hmm. as an industry, we're not talking about really the value that it is in family photography. 
Yeah. And anyone who's worked in this business and who is listening to your podcast, given that it's all about marketing and running a business, everybody knows that part of what it's art, art is a valuable, it is a, well, it's a luxury item. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also something that we perceived value as a huge part of the way that, um, that people are willing to spend money. So if you walk into a fancy gallery and a blank canvas is hanging on the wall, but it's beautifully lit and, you know, a, an attractive woman dressed all in black comes over and murmurs to you over a glass of champagne about it. You'll walk out with, you know, a $7,000 blank canvas thinking you just obtained some fancy piece of art. There's so much of that that goes into photography too. And, and so we need to learn how to talk about this and we need to remember that our time is valuable. All the money that we put into equipment and training and, marketing and all of that, you know, we have to, we have to pay ourselves accordingly. Like a lot of people, I was in a completely different career before I did this and I didn't have an option to do this for fun. I had to make money if I was going to make this my career. Um, And so it, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not done the work and figured out how to, how to make it a sustainable business. It's true. It's like, when I started, I had, again, another business, but I think it was different because I had already gone to school for marketing. So when I started my photography business, I'm like, well, I have a stable job. So if I'm going to do something, I'm going to get paid well. Otherwise, I'm just going to stay home and do nothing. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's when people get caught up. They're like, oh, it's just like extra money, $200 extra. And yes, if you're doing nothing, $200 extra sounds great. But when that becomes your every single weekend and you have to buy a camera that is $4,000 and you have to buy all the, all the equipment that you need, then those $200 are not enough. Right. Right. For so, sure. Something to think. So, okay. So we're talking about this family business. People, you know, start as a hobby, how they transition. The first thing, again, that people need to figure it out is, I guess, as you said, branding. I mean, you, you talk about value, that perceived value, and that yeah. goes into branding. So what will be some tips or some advice that you can give to somebody that is struggling in their photography and they're like, they don't even know where to start. They're like, I'm not booking anybody. I just have to, my sessions are $50 and that's the end of it because that's all what people are willing to pay. So um, that really gets back to why we, one of the reasons that we started the family narrative, which is that all of this, when you're trying to figure it out on your own, it's, uh, it's nearly impossible. You're working in a vacuum. You come up with an idea like, oh, maybe it's because my prices are too high, or maybe it's because my prices are too low or whatever it is, but you're just sort of bouncing ideas off the wall of your room. Um, community, I think, is the best <laughs> first step that anyone can take Um, when they're trying to start a business or when they're in business and facing these different walls, because almost all of us are solo, solopreneurs or, you know, I'm the only person in my business. Um, And the very, I feel like one of the best things that happened to me early on was finding other photographers who were, even if they weren't doing exactly what I was doing, who could commiserate with me about, the hard things and also help me by saying, you know what? I tried that before and it didn't work, or that's a great idea. You should totally run with that. And you should talk to this person about it. It there's, you know, we're already wearing a thousand hats as it is where, you know, trying to deal with all of the different parts of running a business. So, um, so why be all by yourself and, with the family narrative, we're really trying to create this cohesive, um, I hesitate to say like-minded because not everyone there has exactly the same, you know, feelings about anything, obviously, but, um, but it is, it's a very supportive environment. And uh, a lot of the people there have been in business for a long time and have been running profitable businesses for a long time. So we all get stuck. We all get in a rut. But having a community that you can turn to is invaluable. I feel like beginning, middle, and probably end of a career as well. I think that's, I mean, I have no children, but that's how the same, and watch me now say say the same, the way that it is. Like it takes a village, right? Yeah, yeah. It goes back to what you said that people are trying to reinvent the wheel and people are trying to be like, 
do things that have been done already. But if you have a community that can support you, you can bounce ideas, you can collaborate, you can grow, I would say, faster as if you try to do it on your own. Yeah. We have, yeah. So I think, I mean, go, I think, I think sometimes also could be like difficult to get out of your house because you're meeting new people. And I guess when you're an adult meeting new people, it's a little bit awkward, but there is no wrong in trying to connect with others. So the, again, you can do this on your own or you can attend networking events. You can attend workshops like the family narrative. You can do several things or all of them like right. do this all year long. <laughs> Yeah, but I, you know, and I do feel like there is something very different about being in actual physical proximity to other people rather, don't get me wrong, I'm online all the time (laughs) and I'm in online communities all the time, but, um, but I feel like having that, that added your, to, to your point, like getting up, walking away from your desk, walking out into your community, whether that's your local community or the greater photography community or whatever, um, it's, it, it, I feel like that's gotten lost a little bit in the last number of years with the ubiquity of online. Yes. No, no, no. I I totally say you need to like actually leave your house. Yeah. You need to leave your house and find, you know, your community outside of your Facebook groups and things like that. We have a question that is going a little bit ahead of what we will talk, but I think it's important that we, you know, address it. And Riley says, how do you explain to potential clients about the cost of professional equipment and expenses and running a business as it reflects on your pricing, especially when they point to another photographer, especially when they point to another photographer and say, yeah, but they're professional and they charge $1. So how do you justify your prices? Is that Yeah, I think that's what he's asking. How do you justify your prices? So I don't love justifying prices um, because I feel like you almost, by the time you get to that part of a conversation, you felt you're just, you're defensive. Like if someone comes to you and says, why are you charging this much? Um, Then you've almost lost that game before you started. There are certain circumstances where you can kind of dig your way out of that. Um, I, it's a legitimate question. And I feel like the times that I've had that conversation that have gone better for me have been with a friend over coffee where they're like, wow, you're, they'll make some sort of not, they're not trying to push, but they're kind of making an offhanded comment about like, Oh, you charge so much. And I, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. And so there are sound reasons. I mean, um, Dana, who you talked to a few weeks ago, taught at the family narrative this year, and we brought her on specifically because she is such a fantastic um, businesswoman, and she talks, she teaches about pricing and um, sustainability, and she's great. And I would recommend her, Dana Pugh, to anyone who is struggling with that sort of stuff. But um, <clears throat> when you add all of your expenses up, exactly what Riley was saying about, um, you know, your overhead costs and the intangibles of your time and all that sort of stuff. That you're most most photographers are paying themselves minimum wage, maybe, maybe after you factor in taxes and everything else. Yeah, it is true. So, to go back to that question, or what I would add to this is like you have to start with a good brand. Your brand needs to do this. Is this is what, and, and I know. Speaking about branding seems like an intangible concept because it's difficult to like exactly said what a brand is but pretty much a brand is everything that is around your business so if somebody comes to your website they need to see the quality of your work in your images they need to see the quality of your website i'm going to be probably too honest here but if you have a website that looks cheap and you're sending me a price point and it's over a thousand dollars i'm going to question that i'm going to be like "Mm, your website doesn't reflect your pricing right or your work And again, this is art and in art, there is people, you know, there is many ways to interpret art, but there is some pictures that you can see that you're like, you need to work on your lighting. You need to work on your posting. You need to work on the way you crop, you know, your images. So if you, I mean, you have to work on your craft before you can start charging all this money. Now, I remember a couple of weeks or actually months ago, we have a private group when we ask very open questions and somebody actually sent a copy of an email that she had sent to a client. Like the, a prospect had asked exactly the same question. How come you are charging this much money? And she went on to explaining like, 
this is how much it costs and this and that. And I think doing that, as you said, you lost the battle already. Like if you have to go and say my camera costs $2,000, this is not what they're asking for actually, really. It, they're, they're seeing a disconnect with your brand and your pricing. And then and again, that, yeah, say, that's it. You're, you're saying exactly what I, you're saying it better than I said it. When, if someone comes to me and says, why do you charge so much? then my website and my correspondence and my everything has not done what it's supposed to do. I feel like the first, the first thing I need to do as I'm building my pricing is making sure that um, all of the other pieces are coming together. And that is really hard. I mean, at the very beginning, you have 1 million and one things to put together all at once. Like, your photos, you're trying to work on that. You're trying to work on your branding. You might need a new logo. You need this, that, and the other. It's all, it all has to come together. Once you've been in business for a little while though, if you get that question, then someone is either completely uneducated or unable to tell the difference between a good website and a bad website or a good photo and a bad photo. And there is no amount of explaining that you can do. Yeah. Like what, what am I going to say? Go hire the cheap person. If that's what you're comparing me on, then I'm not your photographer. Exactly. And another thing that I say, like if they compare you to a photographer, they're charged a dollar, you know, an exaggeration, but like somebody that is really cheap. There is, even if we try to fix the industry, even if we enhance the industry and we have conversation about pricing, no matter what, there is always going to be somebody that is cheaper than you, no matter what. And then if they are just doing like comparing apples to oranges, then you need to go with the cheaper option. And that's it. You're not here to please everybody. And that's one of the great things about branding. You are attracting and you are repelling people at the same time. So that's part of business. You're going to book some people and then some other people are not going to be right for you because they don't see the value on on your service. And that goes for any, any industry. A good, probably a good analogy will be, I don't get designer bags. I don't get it. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not the rich, but I don't think that I will spend $2,000 on a purse. And there is no amount of explaining that they can do to me that I'll be like, yeah, I can. And yep. it's going to be the same for photography. There's some people who are just not going to get it. Yeah. But and, and that's fine. And the thing is there are, especially when it comes to weddings and families, everyone has a family. Everyone has a family and um, lots of people get married. So there are lots of consumers out there. And even though the market, you know, we all say, oh, the market's so saturated with photographers. Sure it is. However, if you build a sustainable business and you keep at it year after year, you, those customers will come. Um, so it is, it is a matter of um, putting in the time. I had a conversation uh, on the phone with Jill Carmel, who came to the family narrative uh And she called me up afterward to talk about some other stuff. And we got into this whole conversation and she was saying that she was so overbooked in the last year that she um, was having to essentially restructure her 2018 so that she didn't burn out in the way that she did in 2017. And I was like, well, good for you. Like, that's a great problem to have. What do you attribute this crazy amount of work that you had to Um, And she said, last year, I really focused on marketing and I have been in business long enough to know that if you just do the work and put in the time with taking, she said, I spent no money at all. I just did all these different things and people showed up. And I feel like, you know, once you have that solid branding and once you are confident in your craft, it really is, it's a business. You're running a business. But I like that you mentioned this because I see uh, a lot of photographers, they get frustrated and they think I'm not a runner. So I don't even know if my analogy is going to make sense, but they think that this is a sprint, but this is actually a marathon. No, it's a marathon. You're here for the long run and you have to be patient and you have to, it is, and I'm not really a fan of this word, but it is really a hustle. You cannot sleep. If you sleep, you lose. So you have to constantly put out the work. And I see a lot of newcomers, they get very frustrated with that concept. They're like, what do you mean? I've been a photographer for a year and I am not booking enough people. So then I ask, are you networking? No, I never leave my house. Okay. Are you going to where your clients are? They're like, well, I don't know where my clients are. Well, then you need to go back to step one, which is branding and step two, networking. And then once you have all this and you show me the receipts of what you have been doing and you're telling me that you have no clients, then we need to figure out what's going on. But until then, 
you can't expect magic to happen when you have put you have not put up the work for it. And I think a lot of people get a maybe a, in the beginning, especially when you're charging nothing or next to nothing, people are happy to pay you in compliments. Um, and your mom and your best friend and all these people are perhaps completely truthfully telling you how beautiful your work is, but getting dollars from people is hard. <laughs> um, yeah. Having people open their wallets is, you know, that is a true sign that you are doing what you need to do. And, uh, and that can be really scary for a lot of people too. Asking for money is hard. Yes. And I see this also, like people get a little bit not the word is not shy, but I think that as creatives, sometimes mm-hmm. we are unsure of our worth or if we are doing the right things or if it's going to be good enough. And we let that lead the way. And then we're like, well, I'm not so sure. So you can pay me, you know, a hundred bucks that will do. And why just don't say anything. Let them let, you know, don't, <laughs> don't, don't dig a hole for yourself. Right. Well, and I think um, as artists, oftentimes we, if you're selling a purse, um, unless you designed that purse, you don't really, you don't take it personally when somebody says, that's not my favorite purse, I'm going to buy this other one. But when it's, you know, it is hard, it is a different thing when you're selling your artwork. Um, you want that little jolt of serotonin when somebody tells you how beautiful it is. Um, and you're more likely to get that if you're giving it away <laughs> than, uh, than if you're putting yourself out there with a, a correct price point and asking someone to judge, make a value judgment about um, your work. And people just have to, you know, there's a thick skin part of that comes out over time where it's just like, they're not judging me yes, <laughs> or maybe they are, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> so I read, I, I'm a huge fan and a shout out to the middle finger project is a blog about marketing and business I freaking love it and Mm -hmm. she wrote this blog post once about treat your business as if you were selling hot dogs in New York and I'm gonna this kind of I'm paraphrasing what she says but she you go to New York and you go and you buy a hot dog and let's say it's I don't know let's say it's three dollars that's a very expensive hot dog and you you're not going to argue with the guy that is selling the hot dog. You're just like, okay, whatever. You pay the hot dog, right? Because you don't have the correlation that the person that is serving you the hot dog is the owner of the hot dog stand, right? So you're like, right. I'm not going to argue with him because he has nothing to do with that. Right. When you're doing your business and people are like, oh, that's too expensive. And they feel like they can immediately get to you because you're like the person in charge of the company. And immediately you feel like you need to react to that and be like, oh, okay, okay, I give you a discount. And then you start, you need to start thinking about, your business is the hot dog. I'm like, that has nothing to do with me. If you think it's too expensive, I'm, I'm not the boss in here. So I don't know. I, can, I don't know. I can, what can I say about this? So I have always wished that I had enough money to hire like an agent to sit in front <laughs> and be that person. But when I was brand, brand, brand new, um, Creative Live, which I'm sure you know about, was also Ooh. brand new. And I actually went, I like applied to, for a spot, a live spot on Creative Live. And I went and took the uh, a lighting and posing class with um, Bam- Bambi Cantrell. Mm-hmm. So if you like go back into the old, old Creative Live archives, there's like young me, a, a <laughs> brand new photographer on me. Anyway, and she said this thing that has stuck with me forever and ever in my business, which is um, people come to you and they ask you for stuff all the time. And the <laughs> her response was, I wish I could. <laughs> and I have done that a million times. I wish I could, but blah, 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 whatever it is. you say it with a smile, it's like, I know. Like, yeah, no. I always say no with a smile. And then it's like, what else are they going to say after that? You want me to come photograph your ribbon cutting for town hall for free because I get photo credit? I wish I could. I um, love that. Yeah, That's so. tweetable. So people tweet that. I wish I yeah, could, yeah. but I won't. <laughs> That's so, that's, yeah, I love that. All right, so let's keep, I have a couple of questions that I yeah. wanted to, to keep, you know, to keep in that. So we talk about how to fix this. Okay, so there is people here asking, like, oh God, I'm so bad with names. I am so sorry, people. I, in Colombia, we don't have these names. So I think it's Jay. She's asking about, no, actually, Jay is saying hi. She says hi. hi. And then we have Jessica. She says, can you post about the family narrative and possibly explain more about it? So I just post yeah. a link, but please do tell what the family narrative is all about and why sure. it's so important. 
Sure. So the family narrative is, um, like I said at the beginning, and in case you missed it, um, myself and three other women uh, met a couple of years ago, and we were kind of, we're all family photographers, and we were lamenting the lack of space for family photographers to, that is truly um, business and community focused. So there are plenty of places that you can go spend your money as a family photographer, uh, but few of them, a lot of them are kind of pep rallies, or at least that was our experience at the time. There was a lot of like rah-rah kind of stuff, but, um, but there wasn't a lot of meaty information out there. And so we were quite frankly, just sitting around bitching about it. And then we got into a more serious discussion about like, well, why don't, why don't we create that? So we have, um, it, we got together and we created a retreat that happens every year in New Orleans in March. Um, we keep it small. So it's around 45 participants with the four of us. And then we have anywhere between eight and 10 instructors. Um, we are all about, even though we have paid instructors who come and give talks and things like that, we are, it's all about we're all there with a voice. It's all part of the conversation. We do a lot to facilitate a lot of interaction. There's a ton of learning. We talk about everything from marketing and branding to um, uh, burnout to uh, pricing. It goes on and on. We do website reviews for everyone who comes um, that are personalized one-to-one. And Our goal is that everyone walks away, not only armed with a whole bunch of new ideas and information, even if they've been in business for a long time. And it seems like most of the people who come, uh, have come for the last two years have been in business for at least some period of time. Um, But that they also walk away with this new and very active community. So because it's relatively small, people generally get to know each other pretty well over the course of the three or four days that we're there. And we all stay in the same hotel and we have lunch together every day and lots of people socialize in the evening. So it's an intense week, but there's so much um, to get out of it. And my only, my only sadness about it now is that every year when I'm there, I'm so busy (laughs) working (laughs) that I, I built the thing I wanted to go to and I'm only kind of half there. Um, I'm there, but I'm, I'm, you know, you're doing that behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. People seem that, oh, it's all working so flawless, but then it's like a lot of work put into this to make it, yes. to make it seem seamless. Like anything else in life, to make it seem effortless requires exactly. a ton of effort, so. Oh, I like that. Got so many tweetables today out of you. <laughs> Too bad I don't tweet. Oh, Lord. Well, I do, so I'll tweet under you. There you go. There you go. I like this. So I like, as you said, I like... I mean, the business of family photography is huge. It's meaty. We can talk. I mean, we can have a whole 100 episodes of this just talking about this. But I want, I mean, out of today's episode, I want people to get one good concept. And is well, actually, two really good concepts. One is that you need a community to help you. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Go Mm -hmm. out there and find help. Find your tribe. Find friends. Whatever you need to do. You don't need to do this alone. And two, it's like, you need to price yourself correctly. You need to have a sustainable business. I love when people tell me like, oh, but I love it so much. Well, yes, I love burgers and I cannot go and work at a burger place because that's not going to support my lifestyle. So, So, you know, I have, I have a bit of, I have a challenge for anyone who says, the thing is, I love photographing families and I don't need money because I I'm a trust funder or I have a super wealthy husband or whatever. Um, My challenge to you is then stop giving free photography to people who could afford to pay for photography and go create family portraits for people who can't afford them and do it for free. Oh, For someone who needs it, because I, I wish that I had more time in my life to um, go out and make portraits for people for everyone, because I feel like family, I I said earlier, this is a luxury item and it is a luxury item. And the way that my photography is priced is definitely a luxury item. However, uh, and that's because I have two kids to feed and a mortgage to pay and all that sort of stuff. But if I won the lottery tomorrow, 
other than my very favorite clients who I would keep doing this for no matter what. Um, yeah, I would find people who can't afford that because it is, it, it shouldn't be a luxury item in a perfect world. This is something that we all have because everyone values photos of their family. Um, whether they can discern between good and bad photos is a different conversation, but I think, I think that would be a, a wonderful challenge. And so if that, if that's your argument, like I'm doing this for fun and I don't need the money, then, then great. We need more of you out there. Um, that's but please great. don't take the customers who can pay from me. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. That's, that's so good. I like that. So I, I want to hear, you know, a couple of months from now who took the challenge Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, me or, too. Maybe, or maybe the challenge is like, wow, that, because, you know, it comes down to like, oh, yeah, it's very fun, but it's going to be fun every weekend. Yeah, it's going right. to be fun doing this, like right. not spending time with my kids. Maybe it's not that fun. So maybe I need to start charging the money that I deserve to be charging for this. Right. I think that also with pricing comes, and maybe you can correct me, a lot of confidence. Like yes. I feel also that because I've seen such great photographers and I take a look at the portfolio and I'm like, this is absolutely amazing. And then I look at the pricing and I'm like, what and then it's like then I ask I'm like why are you charging so little and right. then the, the, the answer is like but who's gonna pay more and I'm like well my clients pay more and we're like <laughs> in the same zip code so I don't know what you're doing that's right I, I mean I I feel exactly the same way it's just a there is a certain family photography is full of this exact situation um and I hate to pick on women, but a lot of women who are not trained as artists and maybe some who are really have a hard time saying, I'm an artist, art is worth something, pay me for my art. And uh, I, if I could wave a magic wand and change that mentality, I would, I suffer from it myself. Don't get me wrong. I can sit here on this conversation and act like, oh yeah, totally. I have the same problem all the time, but, um, but we have to push through that. One of the exercises, this is going to sound so corny, but one of the exercises that I used to do at the beginning when I was like, have to tell somebody out loud how much my session was, like I used to make me uncomfortable. Sure. I used to say it over and over in front of the mirror. I went to yeah. drama school and I'm like, I'm going to take <laughs> over this. And I, and I used to say it over and over and over again until it was just like, just like saying hello. And yeah. it doesn't bug me when somebody's like, mm, that's depressing. So it's a purse. What am I supposed to do? Like, I, I don't take it personal anymore either. Yeah. But I think that's also something that comes with time and, you know, with it practice does. and, you know, but maybe you need to put like a good song that is going to get you pumped. I don't know. Maybe you're into rap and you need to rap before you get into a phone call with somebody and tell them your pricing or things like that. Like get yourself yeah. pumped and, you know do that we have a comment here from ebony i love she's so good she's in my she's in my photography group she used to live in japan she's back in the states love her so she says that's one of the things that i'm facing at the moment i would like to build a portfolio but i don't want to offer sessions to the community i'm with she's in the military world um for a discounted price because i've seen them walk out of the store with mighty expensive purses and shoes but i don't know where to get but I don't know where to get subjects that will need the discount price. Oh, that's it's a, a lot of things in here. So I'm going to go ahead. You, you go first and then I'll go. Well, so I feel like it is hard when you're portfolio building. It's tricky because um, that's actually a different situation than what I was saying before with when I was suggesting that people go offer hypothetically offer free services to, to people who can't afford it. Portfolio building is actually something that I think you should be trying to do in the community that you want to eventually be marketing to. So, um, and this is not my idea or a new idea, but I feel like you need to find what you're, you need to think about what kind of a business you want to run. You need to find your ideal client within that kind of business. So, you know, if it's a boutique, if it's a high volume, whatever, find your target market and then set your prices like you want them to be in the future. And then say, I'm building my portfolio. You find, you pick your clients, you contact somebody or stop somebody on the street and say, you know what? I would love to do family photos for you. I'm 
building my portfolio. This is what my prices would be. I will give them to you at a 50% discount or whatever the case may be. You want to establish value by showing them what your what the value is going to be and is, and then give them a break on pricing based on the fact that you're in the portfolio building process. Um, yes. Because if you're portfolio building with a community of people who will not be able to afford you once you go into business, you're already behind the eight ball because you have no word of mouth in that community that you're doing great things or maybe you have great word of mouth and nobody can afford you. That is so good. The only thing that I will tweak out of that you said is like, I probably wouldn't say I'm building my portfolio because that could set somebody's mind and be like, "Mm, you're not ready for this. I would say, especially for you, Ebony, you just came from Japan. You can just be like, I want to get some amazing pictures with, you know, exactly US based client. And because I am brand new in this community, you, all of you get, I don't know, a 30% discount, 40% discount for an X amount of time. I don't want you to extend it. Just be like for the summer families that book me between June and August get this amazing discount. Yeah. That would be the only thing that I will switch to that because again, When you start, when you do branding and when you do pricing, there is a lot of psychology in this and you don't want to send a message to somebody that you are not ready or that you are brand new or that you, I mean, you have to be honest, right? If you have never taken a photo, you can lie your way for that. But there is things to go around that you can, words that you can use differently to make it sound more appealing. Right. Yes. So I like that. So they say, well, the thing is that they can afford it, but most of them always look for the cheapest photographer. That goes right back to what we were saying before. <laughs> if they yeah. have value photography, nothing that you say or do can will convince them to value photography. The best way that you can get them to value photography is have one of their friends value photography, hire you, talk about what a great experience it was. And then they look at the photos and they say, oh, I want that too. That's how they got into purses in the first place because nobody is born thinking designer purses are better than a grocery bag. Like it doesn't, that's, that is a, that is a learned uh, behavior, behavior. It's a learned value. Yes. That is so good. I, I like that. I also, a couple of episodes ago, we had one of my favorites from the, from our Facebook group, Carly, she's been doing so great on her photography business. And she gave the example that she's like, I changed my pricing. My pricing is really high. And I even had a client that she's like, technically, I cannot afford you. I've been saving for six months to be able to pay for this because this is what I want. So people will always find money to buy what they want. It's true. So, and again, as you said, there is not a amount of convincing that you can do if they don't see the value. Like me, I like you can talk until you turn green. I won't see the value on a, on a designer purse. I won't. Yep. So if if they're not seeing the value, you need to find the person that is going to see the value. Right. And and when you're looking for those people to build your portfolio with, I would seek out people who are into um, handmade things, custom things, certainly people who are co- collectors of art of any kind. I mean, People like that have a sense of, a sensibility that is in tune with what we are offering. Um, so you want to connect with those people. And this goes back to branding. And when I said you need to find your clients, you need to find what the worldviews are. Because I know sometimes we get too caught up into like the avatar of, of what the client is. Oh, my client is 30 years old and she drives a BMW and yeah. she wears Louis Vuitton shoes. Okay, that is very on the top. You need to right. find out why she likes those things. And right. then that way you can market to that person. So we need That's to a really good point. We need to dig deeper. Like we need yeah. to find the values, the core values of that person. So we can start thinking about marketing and how, again, this, this could be a master. Like this is a huge topic that we won't be able to cover in a 45 minute chat, but that's something food for thought. People go yeah. do your homework. That's again, we go back to the industry of family photography. And I feel sometimes people want to have these answers yeah. right for them. They don't yeah. want to do the hard work. You have to. You know, one of the um, one of the best marketing things that I have ever done in my business was not even intended initially to be a marketing tool. Um, after the 2016 election, which I was 
very upset about, and I'll just go ahead and say that because I'm really forward about my politics. Um, I will just so, get sad over here for a moment. <laughs> I was going to say that. Um, so right after that, I w- was just feeling lost and didn't know what to didn't know what to do and felt like I wanted to do something and I didn't have loads of money to go donating to different things. And I was like, whatever, I'm going to do a fundraiser. And like three days after the election, I put together, I threw together um, a fundraiser. And I, so I wanted to jump, well, I wanted to start doing studio work. Um, I had a studio set up and I'd done a little bit, but I really wanted to start offering it to my child, to my family clients for their children. And, um, but I didn't have a portfolio. So I had been thinking about building a portfolio for that anyway. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it as a fundraiser. And I charged what was for my work pretty low. I charged 250. No, it was a $300 required donation. Um, and I had several different uh, uh, charitable funds or, you know, foundations that that could go to. So they could choose. And for, um, the, however many weeks we were between the election and the end of the year, I did every Tuesday, all day, I did um, portraits in the studio and I raised $8,000 in that period of time, um, which I was super proud of. I built my entire portfolio <laughs> for studio work and also felt like I was able to move forward. But the amazing thing about that, like it, it felt you know, it felt good and all this sort of thing. But I had so many people who found me because that was work that um, they valued that people we're talking about. And people were, I thought we have the same political views and, you know, maybe politics aren't your thing, but I do feel like you find your people and the people who will value you as a person too. Cause there is a bit of that um, by, by putting, by working toward your value set and, and being sort of open about that. That's so good. I like that. So, and this goes back to many conversations we have had about being authentic. What mm-hmm. do you, like, I love dogs. I love yoga. And mm-hmm. I post these things on my Instagram and 95% of my clients are into the same things that I am. Yeah. I always say it and it's a joke, but it has become kind of like reality. If they don't know who Game of Thrones, what Game of Thrones is, <laughs> like we can do business. Like I, where do I go with this? Like, right. So finding the core values of somebody. And, and again, this is very superficial, has nothing to do with politics or anything like that. But if you, if you don't want to get that deep, you kind of start with simple things. Oh yeah. And I, I actually wasn't sure where that was going to lead. Like I was worried. I wasn't terrible. I live in a pretty, I don't know, like-minded community. But I was, I had some concerns about putting it out there because prior to that, I had never been, I had kept it pretty, yeah, there was a little bit of a curtain there. Listen, you know, again, and again, I say this one more time, you're supposed to attract the same way that you're supposed to repel people. So that's so important. We have one more question over here. And I think this goes back to what you just said that you, okay, there's two things that I want to mention here. You talk about starting to do studio work, which is different than you do very photojournalistic family sessions, correct? Mm -hmm. So now you do also lifestyle photojournalistic. Yeah. Lifestyle. So now you do also studio work. And this is why, why are you doing these two things that are a little bit different? Um, for two reasons. So one, because studio work is something that uh, I can offer at a lower price point. Um, it's very different in terms of the amount of time that it requires for me and the um, preparation and all that sort of stuff. It's very in and out. Like a a studio session for one child lasts 15, 20 minutes. Like it's it's very it's almost like a mini session, except they come to me. It's very easy. Um, so I'm able to bring in clients who may not be able to afford my my higher tier family full service family stuff. Um, but it's also great because it's you know, I can do that on a Tuesday or a Thursday. People can self-schedule that work. I don't need to get to know families and know everything about them in order to make a beautiful portrait of their kids. I also live in North Carolina, and there are a lot of people who are looking for something slightly more traditional. I don't do really traditional studio work. I do pretty um, contemporary. Contemporary studio work, yeah. But um, but I think there are, you know, 
there are Southern grandmas who want a portrait of a child sitting in a room and parents who don't want to do that at Sears or wherever it is that they do that now. So, so I'm, I'm asking you this because when, yeah. in our private conversation, we talk about, I don't even, I can't even say the word. So, sustainability yeah. <laughs> sustainability of business and we actually had i don't know if she's still in the conversation twilight she was here she said that now she's doing families she was only maternity and newborns and i embrace and i like when people open up their yeah. arms to yeah. do all their things in photography yeah. to keep their money coming yes i mean it's really nice to specialize in just one little thing but let's be honest if you want to be sustainable and have money constantly coming all year long you need to start thinking about other things. I think that that is a hundred percent true. There are, if you go to my website, I have family work, I have studio work, and then I have like sort of a separate page for newborn stuff, just because that's a specific group of people, but it's all very family children oriented. I take boudoir clients. I have wedding clients. I have all kinds of other clients. Um, because at this point, my brand is strong enough that people call me for all kinds of things. I have hidden pages on my website that I can send people to portfolios for headshots. And I'm not, I mean, I'm not too proud to say no. Again, I have children to feed. <laughs> but, um, Listen, you know, but I talk. To, yeah, I don't want to confuse people who come to my website by throwing a, a million different things at them. Um, so the primary way that I make my money is with families. And that's what you see when you come to my website. If you contact me about something else and I don't want to do it, I can easily say, oh, I don't offer that. And if you contact me and you seem like a cool person and a good fit and I want to do that job and I need that money, great. Here's pricing and everything else. I love that. I love yeah. that because I think sometimes, again, I think this is like, a, like an old culture of photographers. Like, no, you can right. only do one thing. Again, what's the saying? Master of none. What, what's it? Oh Jack of all trades, master of yeah. none. <laughs> and, okay. And if we were to start speaking Spanish, I, my... Uh, my idioms would really fall apart too <laughs> my husband always makes fun because it's like that's not exactly how it goes I'm like whatever you get the point so what I'm saying here is like there is no wrong in doing several things and again as you said I like that you you're clear on your portfolio you don't have to put everything on your portfolio like I should corporate events every now and then I don't have any of that on my portfolio because I'm not selling that but if somebody right. contacts me for that they're gonna get a quote sure so again, don't close your doors for that. But we have a question here a couple of seconds ago and they ask, can you explain the showing value and then discount concept, please? So that's what we're talking about when somebody's building their portfolio. So let's clarify that because I don't want to send the wrong message out there to people. Yes. Um, so when I say showing value, but then offering a discount, if I'm building my portfolio, what I may offer, I probably would try not to use the word discount. I would probably say I'm running a special right now. I am trying to, um, and I would be specific, you know, I want to do outdoor or I want to do in-home family sessions uh, around, you know, these, I don't know, maybe not neighborhoods, but in this town and I'm looking for, and I would, I like to put numbers on things. I'm looking for 10 families. Uh, I'm offering this special for 10 families. You have the you know. formal going really strong. People are missing yeah. out and people are going to contact you. Well, there's a, there's a psychological element to it. Whereas versus me being like, I'm desperately trying to collect family work <laughs> so that I could show it. I mean, yeah. Like, so if you create this. You said for a limited period of time, you might say it, there's a few, you know, limited number of spots available and then say, and if you, you know, contact me and maybe you ask them some questions to create a sense of like, I'm also interviewing you and then they really want it. Um, so you set that up and you fill as many spots as you want. It doesn't have to be 10 spots. There is one photographer that I follow that I love the way she, because she hosts every now and then things like this. And the way she does it is like, she's like, I'm hosting a casting. And that got me all excited because I'm like, what do you mean a casting? And I, right. in my mind, I'm like getting into her. Like, I want, like, I'm like, what? This is so cool. Because she's like, I'm hosting a casting, which is making like, you know, preppy, famous kind of thing. And then she was like, you will have access to my studio, my services, and you are getting and a special prize. And then she posts her special prize 
that right. I, when I saw the price, I'm like, wow, if that's a special price, oh, I know what the real price is. Right, right. It's supposed to be the special price. But the whole thing, as you said, the usage of words are very important. Like you don't want to say it at discount. You don't want to say it, I'm, I'm new to this. No, you have to work around those things and make it, I mean, you're not lying, but you, you have to work with the psychology of sales. Right. So I think that's important. And again, that goes only for like when you are creating a new portfolio, when you want to experiment with a different types of session, let's say we're going to, I'm going to give like a clear example. So people don't get confused. Let's say that I never do studio photography, but let's say, gosh, Miami is so hot during the summer. Nobody wants to be outside. So the summers here are really, really slow for family sessions. First of all, it rains 95% of the time. And the other 10% is a thousand degrees. So nobody wants to be outside. So for me, it will be actually kind of a smart perhaps to have a studio. Right. And then because I don't have any photos to show of a studio, perhaps what I would say this summer, Carolina Gusik is having a brand new special for those families that don't want to get cooked under the sun. I will use a better wording, but you get the idea. And join me for the summer from June to August for a studio sessions, a special price of whatever amount of money. And only, and you can actually say only the first 10 families will get this right. a special price. And that's what I will do it. And then after that, I will have enough portfolio that I will just go to my regular pricing. Yep. And then the people that got that discount, which I don't like to say the word discount, they will feel special, but they will know in their minds that that's not the actual price, that they were getting a discounted price. And I think that's what's important to emphasize, that this is just a limited price for a limited amount of time. Exactly. You've established value and also done what you needed to do. Exactly. I love this. So much information today, people. I am excited to be interviewing people like you that are doing great things for the industry. Let's just recap once again for the family narrative. When is the next thing happening? Oh, boy. I should know these dates off the top of my head. March, uh, second, third week of March. It's in our, if you go to at the family narrative on Instagram. I'm sure we've got that in our bio. I put this right on the comments below. And for the people that are listening to the podcast, this will be on the notes. So great. This year I didn't I didn't attend the family narrative, but I did watch all the Instagram stories and I was Yay. damn it, I should have gone <laughs> because they look really, really amazing. Then again, I interviewed Dana, who was one of the teachers there. I had interviewed Bob. PQ, that is one of the founders, now you. And I think there is tons of value in what you guys are doing. And I think it's really great that you're bringing, elevating the industry yeah. and helping people. Well, I hope we see you there in person. Yeah, um, I want to. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. And our, like I said, we're going to be announcing new teachers very soon and then opening um, applications this summer. There you go. So I'm going to put all the information below. Now, one thing before you, before we go, yeah. what is something that you are loving right now? Oh, um, uh, anything. Well, okay. Um, I, let's see, I have always had kind of a black thumb and I have recently turned a corner and I've got lots of green in my house and outside my house. So Ooh. that's kind of fun. So gardening is doing it for me these days. And, um, that was my loving I, uh, do you ever watch that show, The Chef's Table? Oh, yes. They have, I a, new, they have a new season out and um, I watched the first one the other day. I'm excited about that. I'm all um, about TV. <laughs> yeah. How are you? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, I, I love all kinds of stuff. That is awesome. Well, I'm so glad you're here. Where could people find you? So my, because my name is so tricky to spell and to remember, um, my business name is Mega Pixie, like my short haircut. Um, so it's M-E-G-A-P-I-X-I-E and that's megapixie.com and at Megapixie and Facebook. And I don't, I don't do Twitter, <laughs> but other than that, I'm all over the place. Awesome. I just want to thank you for being so amazing for sharing so much information with all of us it was a pleasure to have you here it is always great to connect with the girls from the family narrative I really even though I have not been there I believe in what you're doing I'm a fan and you can always or you can always oh that's bad English you are always welcome <laughs> to come to the Talk Republic and talk about the family 
narrative and the business of being a family photographer. So thank well, you for being here. It. We appreciate you giving us the chance to to talk more about it. That's it's really what we're trying to trying to get out there to the photographers of the world. And we love what you're doing here. So good. Let's start conversations. And for all of you that are joining us live right now, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for your time. Quick plug, I have a Facebook group when we talk more in detail about all these things. So you can always join. It's a bunch of good people there. So join us. And if you don't want to miss any of these live broadcasts, make sure you give this page a like so you can be notified when more amazing people are coming to say hi. Yay. Awesome, guys. Have a fantastic day, and I'll talk to you very soon. Ciao. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. For more info about marketing tips for photographers and show notes, please visit thetogrepublic.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Want even more? Join our marketing community group. Just search for The Tog Republic Group on Facebook. Until next week.